this evening, I am not the main act, but I'm going to stall for a few minutes so that the main act can get ready. So I prepared a little bit of a devotional, but it may be a few minutes longer than a devotional. I'm not sure what the cutoff for a devotional is. You think like seven minutes? It might be more than that. But hopefully not much. So we are in the, this is actually the fourth Sunday of Advent. This year is kind of strange because, anybody know why? What What did you say? I said leap year, but I don't Leap year, that's right. Is that true? No. Oh. <laughs> is it uh, climate change? Yes. Yes. Uh, no, the the strange thing is usually most years there's two weeks of Christmas. And this year there's only one. So, you know the 12 days of Christmas? So today would be the fourth Sunday of Advent. Next Sunday would be Christmas Sunday, actually. We're kind of jumping the gun here. But I'm going to preach out of our fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, so we can be ushered in slowly, and uh, then there's only one week of Christmas, and if, this is really the reference point, if you go into the Godly Playroom, you'll see there's two squares that are white at the top of the calendar, and that represents the usual two Sundays of Christmas, but not this year. So, I'm going to read for us Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. You'll just have to listen. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. And he named him Jesus. The word of the Lord. So if you have to choose, what role would you say that you play in the story and the drama of Christmas? Where do you find yourself in this story? I think that every year we all find ourselves in a little bit different of a spot than the year before. Um, I think that as the season of the holidays come, as the new year starts to arrive, and as tax season starts, we think back over the last year and we sort of take note 
maybe the year before of the things that we did and the things that we didn't do and do a sort of mental assessment that we may not even be aware of. We look at the narrative of the things that we've done and we decide, do we want to kind of keep this tradition? Do we, what do we want to do different? Do we want to change some things? If you are a New Year's resolution person, any New Year's resolution people out there? Yes. You may be thinking back to last year's New Year's resolution, if you can remember it. And you're thinking about maybe what you want to resolve this year. Something more manageable this year. If you're in business or if you do your own taxes, you may start to think about your financial state. What things, how did we do this year over last year? Maybe what are our goals for this next year? One thing that many of us have in common during this time, and it is represented in this room, is that many people see their families over the holidays. I heard that over 100 million people in the U.S. are traveling this weekend. So that's a lot of people. What are there, 300, well over 300 million people in America? So yeah, 100 million of us are traveling this holiday season. And as we consider the importance and significance of our family, uh, we go and visit uh, and we remember these relationships that have formed us. The roles that we play in the drama of Christmas are varied, but I think that each year as we come to this season, we all come assessing what role we have, what role we have in our family, the role that we play there. But also, I think that this time brings us to an assessment of our spiritual state as well. So us, Caleb and I and the Pawns, um, Zach and Melanie, there's a lot of, <laughs> of their family here, um, visited Germany when I was pregnant with Story and Melanie was pregnant with Jubilee. And um, we went there over this season. And if you don't know this about Germany, um, there's about 2% of the population that attend uh, church services in Germany um, on a regular basis. But we were um, there on Christmas Eve, and we had planned to go to the cathedral who was offering this large Christmas Eve service. And I think that every single person in that town was at that Christmas service on Christmas Eve. And Zach got yelled at for having a hat on. By Napoleon Bonaparte, no, no joke. And, which he does this evening, so he hasn't learned his lesson. Um, <laughs> and he didn't understand what the guy was saying, and so the guy just got angrier. It was kind of scary. We thought we were going to get kicked out, but Zach was totally playing that role, the guy with the hat in the person of service. <laughs> But I think, you know, for a town for a town where this cathedral normally sits empty, it is this time of year just really brings up, you know, where are we? Um, as we assess where we are this year, socially, financially, personally, spiritually, 
I think this passage today poses another question for us, and a question that can be asked to every part of those parts of our lives. And that question is, are you afraid? Our text for this fourth week of Advent is this story of Joseph mulling over his role in what this is going to look like. See, for Joseph, it has not been a good year. His fiance is pregnant and by another man. He is not the father. And it's one of those times when you're really just left standing, holding the bag for someone else's choices. And it seems that you have to decide what your role in this difficult situation is going to be. If we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, this is where he would be standing. And he was afraid. He was afraid of losing his spouse-to-be, afraid of what the road ahead would look like, afraid of what other people would say or what they would think, what they would do. Maybe he was afraid of not having enough or afraid of losing his status or his job. Maybe he was afraid of being revealed as a fraud or afraid of not having all the money he needed or afraid of things changing or being different or afraid of the future not panning out or afraid of never getting it right or afraid of what this relationship would cost. And I'm sure that we never have fears like Joseph. But God comes to Joseph and says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of my coming in and through this difficult situation. You are afraid, but do not be afraid. See, what is amazing is that when God comes in this passage, God doesn't come to the rich and the powerful. When God comes in this passage, God comes to a person like Joseph. He comes to the fearful. The picture of Emmanuel, of God with us. It's not one of power, of might, of control, of good ethics or best practices, but it is actually when we are in the midst of a total disaster, in the midst of a mess, where we face an uncertain future, and the journey is long, and our fiancé is nine months pregnant, and she's on a donkey traveling, and there is fear and pain and grief and lack. And to this kind of people, God comes, not with power and might, and control and ethics and best practices and logic, but in haste and chaos and need and lack, when all things fall apart, there God is. In weakness and need, on sleepless nights in cold shelters and migrant caravans, with lonely shepherds and in dirty barn stables, 
Whenever God is up to something, it seems as though God is always coming to the people it involves and saying, do not be afraid. And it makes me wonder that if it's because the people involved are afraid that God is up to something, or because God specifically goes to those who are afraid to be up to something. In other words, I wonder if God, if the people of God, I wonder if the people God comes to who are filled with fear like Joseph, but they're not afraid because God wants to do something, but because life has changed, it hasn't gone according to the plan, things are uncertain, the path is unclear, there is loss, there is pain, and even despair, and perhaps as they cry out, as the people in Egypt did, God hears those cries, knows intimately the pain, and comes to rescue them. So I say again, I wonder if the people in the story of God's coming are afraid because God is up to something. Or because God specifically comes to those who are afraid to be up to something. What does it mean, that name Emmanuel? What does it mean that God is with us? What role is God playing in this story? What role are you playing in this story? Where do you find your life in this story? Last Saturday night was a very interesting night for me. So we got invited. We got invited um, to a client of Caleb's other job. Uh, she was inviting. Uh, she's in real estate, and she was inviting all of her contractors and other investors to a Christmas party. And she had uh, gotten these this awesome deal at the Predators game where she had like this private room, all you can eat food, all you can drink drink. We had seats five, five um, rows from the ice. Um, and we were invited to this very fancy Christmas party. And I felt really out of place. Um, it was this group of real estate investors and we're, they're like, oh, what do you do? And we're like, oh, we're the trash people. <laughs> we mean the recycling people. Um, and then um, when they started to talk about affordable housing, I really felt like I was on the wrong side of the table. And um, one even said about the host of this party, yeah, she's really amazing because um, I had this I had this condo, I was gonna charge a thousand dollars a month in rent, and she got me twelve fifty. And um, that night as we were leaving and walking back to the place where we parked at Quiznos, because that was Caleb's last job. Um, <laughs> There were all these people out on the side of the road, and uh, at first I, 
you know, I didn't know what they were saying. They had a bullhorn, and they had signs, and so it was kind of like a protest, and uh, I was kind of not paying attention at first, but then I looked over just to see, like, what was going on, and and they had these signs that was like, I don't remember the exact words, but it was like, um, it said, like, this street is not a home for our families. And they were protesting rising rents in Nashville. They were protesting, um, yeah, they were protesting the, in, the dramatic increase in market value um, rent that has happened and left so many people on the streets. And, um, you know, I've never seen a, a affordable housing protest before, but I couldn't help but think about my role and the role I was playing coming from this very swanky uh, the catfish bunker was the private room that we were in. And yes, we had a catfish, and yes, it did make it on the ice. Um, from that place, with these real estate investors, uh, to the place on the street, and knowing everything that I know about Jesus, I can't help but think that Jesus would have been on the street and not in the catfish bunker. Uh, that Jesus comes more to the street, that that's more like the place that you'll find Jesus than the catfish bunker. That Jesus comes more likely to the fear-fraught, unwed mother than to the happily expecting couple. More to the recipient of charity than to the giver of charity. More to the stranger than even the friend and more to the migrant caravan than to the Christmas parade. Jesus' coming is about being needy and not having control. It's more about a baby and less about a CEO. It's more about a place like Bethlehem than a place like Jerusalem, where Jerusalem was the it city, by the way. Now, the Kaleo kids are going to come out here in a moment, and they are going to reenact this part of the story. And they're very excited, so I appreciate your excitement with them. But I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had in the past three weeks with the kids about their role in this play. See, you think that you would just be like, okay, you're a donkey, you're a whore, you're a cow, you're going to be the angel, and it would all be good. No, no, no. There's a lot of thinking that goes into playing a role. And even for little kids, it's like, okay, do I fit with that role? Where am I going to have to stand? What do I get to wear? <coughs> and uh, they really just have to mull it over in their minds, like being that role. And... Uh, this season, as we assess where we're at, the place where we're at in our life and where we're going and what part of the story we're, we are in, I would encourage you to think about not only your role, but the role that God plays in this story. That God 
First comes. God comes to those who are afraid. God comes to those who are afraid and says, fear not. Let's pray. God, in this season, sometimes we try to push down and shut out unpleasant thoughts and unpleasant feelings, but sometimes we cannot. We have so many fears. And we wonder how you will come. We wonder what it will look like, not only 2,000 years ago, but what will it look like today? What will it look like in our lives? What will it look like in Nashville and in the places that we're from? May we not get ourselves ready to receive you. <coughs> but we, may we recognize you in our fear. May we receive your words. Do not be afraid. In Christ's name, amen. <coughs>